Hi guys, welcome to Beyond the Trivia Podcast. I'm your host, Gracie, and I've got a lot to say. Life has thrown some curveballs, that's for sure. I've been through hell and back, and I've lived more than nine lives. But guess what? I'm still here, standing tall, and I'm finally ready to spill at least some of the tea. Let's break the norms, and let's keep it 100. We're going to talk about all the things without any boundaries. Love. Sex, loss, mental health, and we're not going to forget our victories. Nothing, and I mean nothing, is off limits. We're going raw, and we're going deep, babes. So hold on tight, because it's going to be a wild fucking ride. All right, Clayton, tell everybody who you are. Um, my name's Clayton Erickson. Um, yeah, it's just who I am. And why are you here? Because um, you're my cousin and you asked me to be honest with you. Okay. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I grew up Mormon and left the church about five years ago. And so kind of want Oh, it's been that long. Yeah. I was in. Well, I started in February of 18 and was full on out by September, October of 18. <laughs> Have you removed your records? I haven't. That's probably the only thing. Mostly because I just don't give two shits. <laughs> right. I mean, when um, it, what's the worst, but, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't removed them yet. No. No. We've. My wife and I have talked about it, but never have actually done it. And, like, you, you know the process and all the... What is the process? Is it, like, a deep process? Uh, yeah. Well, the, the they changed it not too long ago. Um what I understand, you, there's a there's a website. I think it's called like quitmormon.org or something that will do it for you. But the the stupid and, name. <laughs> yeah, right. And the dumbest part about it is you have to get a notary to sign a document to get you to release. Yeah. No. So yeah. You have to like go to your bank and have a notary yeah. witness yeah. you signing. And just re- yeah, so they'll follow the paperwork for you. Which yeah, there's paperwork. Um, but you have to, they'll sign, they'll fill out all the paperwork for you and then you have to go get it notarized and send it back to them and then they, they do it. This just seems like too much effort for me for how little I yeah. care. Right. Well, and also like, I mean, cause the Mormon does like baptisms for the dead, right? That's a thing. Yep. Yeah. For so sure. My mom and Josh were both, um, baptized. Like, so is there people probably like <laughs> baptizing them? How does that uh, work? No, because they were baptized when they were alive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when they were both younger, um, no. So they there won't be any baptisms done for them. Now your your mom and your and Josh never got their endowments out, um, right? And and yeah, so, they were never worthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So someone could go through the temple for them and get their endowments out. Get their diamonds out for sure. So I should probably just go through the process to get them removed. I mean, is that something that needs like authorization? It won't do anything. No, no, because they'll still no. just go baptize them. Yeah, the, or, just because it's there's not a my and I, this is just my understanding of. And I I did totally. I I worked in the temple for two years. Um, okay, but there's not a formal process as far as like, um removing people that I'm aware of as far as like making sure people's names don't get on the list. Like if you, if you recall a couple years ago, the church got in a lot of trouble for 
baptizing Jews that were killed in the Holocaust. And that's, right, yeah. it wasn't the, it wasn't the church, from my understanding, it wasn't the church that was putting the names out there. It was members finding the names and putting it in uh, on the temple records. So it's, um, they're doing a better job on it. Like they, they've created a database with the whole ancestry.com and all that stuff. Um, but it's still, I mean, they still do. It's a funny system. I mean, they, they literally, they, they'll, they circulate, they just recirculate names over and over again. Well, my question, I mean, where do they get these like Jews information to do it? Is it just like, you got some big guy going through the yellow pages. I mean, what is it? What does that look like? How do they <laughs> investigate this? You know? Uh, yeah. So if you're familiar with Ancestry.com, I don't know if they acquired Ancestry or if there's a partnership or whatnot, but that huge database. And the church is massive on, um, like, family history. And, like, they encourage members to get really deep in the family has- history. And, right, like uh, that, there's like a the, the library of genealogy, right? Is that a that's, yeah, I, yeah, okay, genealogy, yeah. So all these members go from all across the country, I mean, world, go in there and find these names. And there's people who are just like that's what they do. I mean, I've heard stories of members walking through grave sites and writing names down and just yeah, <laughs> with their pen and paper. <laughs> totally, totally. Wow. I, I don't know how true that is, but you hear you know, those are the Mormon legends that you hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. like, obviously, family was what initiated you going to the church. But yeah. anything else? I mean, where did it all start? Was it always family? Was your was your mother always religious? When did this all begin? No, I mean, you know, my mom. Um, right. She. Uh, so, growing up, we weren't religious. I mean, we like we we prayed occasionally as a family and like Christmas, but other than that, we weren't religious at all. Um, in fact, my, my neighbors had like a pseudo Buddhist church out of their house growing up. Um, <laughs> Shut up. I didn't know oh, that. That's cool. Oh, oh yeah. And I would go hang out with them and do this, like meditate and incest, do the, <laughs> spell the incest. We would go to Liberty Park and do the drum circle. The drums. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. yeah. It was awesome. Um, so that was actually my first exposure to religion. Um, I never went to church growing up. I mean, maybe like two or three times to the year. Buddhist church or like at all. Any, any, yeah, any, any religion. I mean, I, when I'd spend the night on like a Saturday night at my buddy's house and they would have the church at their house, I would attend it occasionally. Um, but as far as my family's concerned, we never really went to church. Like I didn't, I wasn't baptized at eight. I was uh, 12 or 13 when I got baptized. Um, okay. And I got baptized because my brother, um, became really active in church when he was in high school and then how he decided he to get involved if, it, if this wasn't a family thing because like just how i understand it is typically you become religious because of it starts from you know family how did he get involved yeah through his friends uh okay. he had he had like his best friends his two or three best friends were all i mean all of his friends ended up serving missions but his two or three best friends really were going to church and whatnot and we had moved from our, our house uh, that we grew up in just in the same neighborhood because my parents were divorced. And then they, um, it just, it was a good neighborhood and good ward. And so he went. Uh, and then, so when he went on a mission, I was like in seventh, sixth or seventh grade. I can't remember. And, you know, I looked up to my brother a lot then. And so. That's funny. You must, so you're, how old are you? Uh, 30, I turned 37 in March. So we're four years because I remember, like, when Stephen was on his mission and, like, 
the family went to your mom's house, that old brick house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like waited by the phone for him to call. I remember that. So that's funny. Yeah. You were seven yeah. and I was, wow. Yeah. So uh, I, I didn't go when he was on his mission at all. Cause my mom, my mom had got married, got remarried to, uh, and, and my stepdad's um, mom had started her own religion in Northern Idaho, not religion, um, like a church, a branch of church. Um, oh, okay. So, See, I didn't know this. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it, it's today. It's a huge church. It's huge. Uh, her funeral was at the church and, and it was, it's awesome. It's like, a, it's massive. Um, and it started in their front yard, front room. Um, and uh, so when we met, when we met Phil, my stepdad, he, uh, he wasn't very religious at all, at all. Like we, again, we would read the Bible on Christmas morning, the Christmas story and stuff like that. But other than that, I don't recall anything. Um, and then uh, I actually joined the church first. Um, I can't remember. It was even, I think it was right before Steve went on his mission. It could have been right after. Um, but I remember even then he was like, like, I wish you would stay on my side. My stepdad was like, I wish you would stay on my side before you joined the church. Um, And so do you think that there was like hostility there? Do you think that like there was that hostility, like it started in a hostile way? Do you think? No, no, I don't ever remember my parents being one way or the other. Honestly, okay, got I don't it. remember my mom saying, "Hey, you should, you need to go to church, or you don't need to go to church." Um, in fact, that little side comment—I wouldn't even say snide. It was just a, just a, a comment that was made. I sure. don't think it was. I don't think it was made in vain. I don't think it was made to be hostile at all. I really don't. Uh, but I do remember him saying it because I was kind of like, "What the heck?" Um, <laughs> but. Uh, then I got I got baptized, and then uh, I think it was before Steve went on his mission. And then when Steve was on his mission, I don't think I went to church once. Um, really? Now, I, if I did, it, it may have been one time with my sister because my sister got baptized when she was eight, um, and you know she had friends that were members and whatnot, and so we would kind of go. But again, like my parents, we would do stuff on Sundays. Like we would, like we would go to Oktoberfest, and we would go to. Right. We would do fun things, right? Um, you know, we did stuff with you and your mom uh, yeah. on Sundays. Uh, go to lunch, go to breakfast, and whatnot. So it just it w- it just wasn't a priority. Um, Got it. But but then Steve came home from his mission, and um, at the same time, when Steve came home from his mission, that house that we were living in at that time was just too full for us. So we moved. Uh, into a, another neighborhood, and that's when things really changed for me because um, my next door neighbor. So first of all, Steve's home from his mission, and Steve's like, "Hey, we're going to church every Sunday," and I would be like, "Ah, oh, fine, I'll go with you." Right. Um, so he like recruited the fam to like start yeah. this different journey. Okay, got it. Yeah, and so we'd go. But really, for me personally, it, Steve was an influence for sure because you know, again, I looked up my brother, but a bigger influence on me was my next door neighbor. Um, he's my best, he was my best man at my wedding. Um, Mike, Mike, Mike grew up in a very strong LDS house and him and I just became really good friends real fast. And we, every Sunday he would come knock on my door and be like, come to church with me. He was my best friend. (laughs) I couldn't hang out with him on Sundays. So I was like, hell yeah, I'll go to church with you. Right. Um, and so that, that was really the foundation and uh, for me is where I got really deep into the church. 
Got it. So, I mean, so when you, what captured you? Was there like a certain time, a moment in time? Was there maybe like a belief, something that influenced and you're like, oh, this is it? I don't remember ever. I never had one of those miraculous moments of, oh my gosh. Um, but there was, there's, there's definitely two events in my life that I feel like being big for me. One, uh-huh. uh, as you know, I was hit by a car when I was 12 years old. Um, and uh, I got life flighted to primary children's hospital. They, they told my mom they didn't think I was going to survive the night. I got a blessing from the state president uh, at the time and a bishop. So did, um, when, when you people get blessed and you're not, I mean, well, I guess at this time you were active, right? Like you were participating. Because I, I remember I mean, where that falls in the timeline. My, my question is, is, like, would it just be like maybe the hospital suggesting something like that? Or would a family have to initiate that? Oh, no. So I don't, I don't think the family initiated it at all. My stepdad was out of te- – he was like in Nebraska or Oklahoma or something. My mom was actually having Bunko at her house that night. Um, and I got hit. But the, the, who the state president was is, was a longtime family friend. Like he, he had two kids that were twins that I went to school with. And they were actually on my soccer team that – they didn't witness the accident, but they were right behind me when I got hit. And so he was the, one of the first people on the scenes, and he just did it. He just did, did the, the, got the it. blessing. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily something that was asked. It was just kind of the understanding. And, you know, being in Utah, I could see where that would 100% be. Fortunately or unfortunately, something that somebody religious would come and try to do. So. For sure. Got it. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I interrupted that. No, you're good. Um, can't remember where I was at, but I um so I got yeah, hit here at the hospital. Yeah, so you know the, the the of course when I survived, everyone attributed it to me to the blessing, and I did too. Um so that was a big foundation for me of like, oh God's got a purpose for me. Um and then for me, the the thing I think I fell in love with the most with the church was the families can be together the, the forever. You know, my my parents were divorced. Um, I don't think I was ever and I, okay with the fact that my parents were divorced. Um, and that I have a great relationship with my dad still to this day. And um, it's just... Probably more so now that there isn't a tie, because from what I know of your dad, there was never that tie, you know? Yeah, my dad grew up in a very LDS home, um, but he definitely doesn't. And it's still this day, my, my dad's a trucker, you know, and he, he listens to the Book of Mormon while he drives. Um, Is he this probably just out of curiosity? I mean, what, no. what would... I, you know, he's, he's, he's an odd human. If you okay, know my dad, he's it. an odd human. Um, yeah, so he listens I, so to Book I of like Mormon. That. Yeah, uh, but he smokes, uh, he drinks, um, you know, he goes out to Wendover and parties, um, and good for him. Uh, right. But, you know, he is religious. He doesn't, he prays occasionally and whatnot, but I think he believes in the church. He just doesn't, he chooses not to live it. Um, but for me, at the I'll time, like, uh, I'll I tell just, you I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like, it's what, while I'm on this, I, is what's gnarly to me about, like, that your dad listens to the Book of Mormon and stuff and, like, is technically would be re- religious, right? Yeah. Um, I think there was, and we can leave this out, but, uh, there was one Christmas or something at your mom's house and I, she, like, as I kept getting more tattoos and whatever, she made a comment, like, why do you keep getting more tattoos? Like, you shouldn't be doing that. 
And I, I asked her, I like, I was outside in the garage or like out front smoking and she happened to like come out and tell people that something was ready, something like that. And I like asked her to stay out with me for a second. And I asked her, I said, how come like you can say stuff about, you know, me getting tattoos or me being who I am, but like you have a boob job and you have, you know, like all, all of your daughters have boob jobs. So like where, how come that? And she just looked at me and said, well, everyone depicts the the religion different. And to me, I think that's where this becomes very foggy. Yeah. And you know, that's, those are things that, are big in the church, right? I think I think no matter what religion you're in, honestly, people pick and choose what they want to believe. Absolutely, right. Uh, for me, I I'm a I live my life in the gray area, right? Like, right. I, yeah. I, I like to see what I can get away with, you know. Right. But when it came to religion, I was I was a straight shooter, right? But like, what uh, do you what do you try to get away with as a Mormon? You have so much like control. Like Okay, right? so you would still, um, like, occasionally I, indulge? I was 32 years old before I ever drank alcohol. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I go to parties in high school and whatnot. Like, I was always the person like, no, I'm, I'm better than that or I'm above that or whatever. That's not for me. Um, you know, never did drugs, never, um, you know, besides swearing. Swearing's always been a big in my life. Um, I would think that's probably been the only, like, thing that I did. I mean, I, I paid my tithing religiously. I don't think I ever, ever Which missed is paying tithing. insane to me. Like when, you know, there's a reason they call them members, right? Like we're members to Gold's Gym. We're members to Planet Fitness. Like, and we pay for those services, right? And then there's, you're a member of a religion. To me, that's just like asinine. I can't like <laughs> wrap it at all. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's wild. Because here's the thing, I mean, yes, that it does really help families in need. I've I've witnessed it, you know. Um, But at the same time, like, maybe uh, it's just one of those things for me. And here's the thing. I'm with you. I like the the morals, the values, the all of those things. But it seems as though it goes much deeper than that. And that kind of goes into what I want to ask next. And that is, like... What were there specific things that just said? So you had one or two harsh yeses, right? Like I want this is what I want. What were your harsh no's? What was like okay, I'm done. Like what was your deciding factor, and what like specific? I mean, doctrines or teachings, yeah. something to that extent that was like ah, I just don't know. So I I don't think I ever had a harsh no. Um, really, for, I always say that Mormonism is death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, and that in the, for me, I, I, I can talk to any religious, any Mormon on the planet and give me any subject and I can tell you why there are problems with it. Right. Um, nothing big, nothing glaring, but there's problems. If I had to choose one, when I started diving deep into church history, um, the simple fact is, is we were lied to our whole lives. And um, you know, this, the story of Joseph Smith, the story of, um, you know, the translation, all that is the story that they tell in church and that I grew up believing is not the, the historically backed, uh, so truth story. And so for me, I, I've always tried to live a high integrity life. Um, 
and so for me, like when I felt like I was lied to, it just came crashing down for me and it caused me to go down, um, that and polygamy, um, specifically, you know, Joseph Smith, you know, marrying a, a girl, a few, my, a few months short, 15, um, I just I couldn't is wrap it, my head. Is it the me. verbiage that it uses when it talks about? Is it a few months short of fifteen? Yeah, if you go to the church's website, they actually have a they have what they call these like church like articles. They pick all the controversial subjects, and the church released their their stance on. It. I think there's like thirteen or fourteen, and in the polygamy one, they they mention the the girl that he married. I think her name's like Helen Kim, Mark Kimball or something like that. But they say that she was a few months shy of fourteen, uh, fifteen. So she's fourteen, right? Yeah, she's fourteen. Not that yeah. fifteen makes it any better, but like, no. but that's 14, just how they spin and They specify it, right? They yeah, specify, they, yeah, yeah. And so when I found that out, I was—I mean, I have nieces that were around that age. I, I you know, at the time I had a daughter. It just blew my mind. But how come you didn't know this was part of the religion years ago, years before you finally had, oh shit, this isn't it. So when it comes to polygamy and Joseph Smith, the church is anything but transparent, right? Okay. Um, I I personally don't, like, everyone knows Brigham Young, because there's, like, you can't walk down the street and (laughs) run into a young, right? Right. Um, But I personally don't ever remember the church ever talking about polygamy and Joseph Smith. It's possible they did. It just didn't register in my head. Um, and you know, everyone talks about wild Edna to me Smith. because that's what we're known as, right? Like, I even I'm not religious at all, never have been. And when you say you're from Utah, instantly we're polygamists, right? Like, yeah, but- I'm a gay polygamist, right? Like, that's how it kind <laughs> of goes in like their the mind of people, and it's the craziest thing because you're saying that wasn't necessarily the teaching, which I can understand, but also. Yeah. That's what everybody knows. But they know it from Brigham Young forward. They never talk about Joseph Smith, right? It's always it. Joseph and Emma. In fact, they right. made, the yeah. church made a movie called Joseph and Emma, right? <laughs> like, it's yeah. always about Joseph and his love for Emma and all that stuff. They don't ever tell you that Emma was his 23rd wife that he had still to him. They don't right. ever mention and that. She was, and she was probably of age at that point. Yeah, I mean, she was his first legal wife and his first wife, right? But by the time he introduced the, the, the doctrine of sealing, he got married to 22 other women before he decided <laughs> to be sealed for time and all eternity before her. Now, so, that explain number's that not to exact. people that don't understand. There's a legal wife, and then there's a, what do we classify them as? Like a make-believe one? It's a sealed. You're sealed to them. That's what they call it. Okay, so this man yeah. can be legally married, meaning like government recognized, yep. but then... The religion creates another standard for marriage. Yeah. So when you get married in temple, you get married under what's called the new and everlasting covenant, which is for time okay. and all eternity. Uh-huh. Um, so you, there's a ceremony inside the temple where you are sealed. You're you are you are sealed and married at the same time to your spouse for time and all eternity. So does that and, mean that, like, because I've heard, you know, I've had some friends and stuff that. Like the husband, let's say you guys get divorced, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The husband has to like approve you to be like. How do I mean? What I, is this rumor? Honestly, I I don't know. My understanding is that because the church the church still practices polygamy, 
right? Or believes in polygamy. They don't practice totally. it. Totally. Right. Um, and so as a man in the church, if I wanted, if, if my wife were to die, I could go get sealed to another wife without any, anything, right? However, if I were to die, my wife wouldn't be able to get sealed to another man unless they got a temple divorce, which takes uh, an authority of some sort. I don't know what level of authority inside the church to get him to, to get that release the woman. Yes. And then that basic. So if I were, if, if, if my wife were to die and like the current prophet, he's currently um, sealed to two women. His wife died um, some time ago. His first wife died and then he got remarried and he's sealed to a second one. So he's technically, according to the church's thing, a polygamist. Absolutely. Right? However, right. if those roles were reversed and he were to die, she wouldn't get be, be able to get married without breaking the bond between her first husband. Okay, got it. And you say breaking the bond, this is like this imaginary world bond that the church has created. Yeah, Not necessarily silly. like the legal bond. Got Nothing okay. to do with legal. Nothing legal. Yeah. yeah. Um, although polygamy is decriminalized criminalized in Utah, it's still illegal. Sure, right. And so that goes kind of where I'm like, I want to ask, like, was it hard to separate these two things because you have something so real and you can read in a law book, you can read and you can sense in the world, right, that yeah. there's a legality and then there's your spiritual re- belief that maybe you didn't understand that there was other beliefs here, but like, wasn't that really hard to like, put into two realms? You know, there is some massive cognitive dissonance that happens in Mormonism. And that even today, when you talk to Mormons, they, they, they live in their spiritual world, and then they live in the actual world. Uh, so just an example of this that happened this week. Uh, I was at a meeting on Wednesday with a room full of Mormons, and the speaker was talking about evolution, right? And the Mormons were, were participating in evolution, like adding to it and talking about science. And I was sitting there thinking, like, you can't, you can't be Mormon and believe in evolution. There's right. not you know the didn't try to do this before. Yeah, exactly. But it, it, it happens, and I'm guilty of doing it, right? You have that, that dissonance that happens where you separate your – and you, you don't realize you're doing it, right? You separate your, your real world. And I, I've seen this like with my brother, right? You, you, you can have a spiritual conversation and you believe one thing. Like that dinosaurs never existed, right? <laughs> right. Um, or, and then no, the and, earth is flat type stuff. Or the, yeah. Or then you get into the then you get into the real world and they can believe that dinosaurs of course they existed. We got their fossils, right? And in your mind, you separate those with such a hard line that you never put them together. And I, I didn't realize I did that until probably two years after I left the church. Like it took me that long to deconstruct Mormonism. Which is crazy to me because, like, when you make a decision to leave the religion, there's a reason why, right? And then it's crazy that it takes so long for you to process the difference of this belief and reality. Yeah, I would deconstruct it's, and I don't mean this in any disrespect to any Mormons, but it is no, really course, de- yeah. it's it, it's deprogrammed, right? In that. I literally had to deprogram my brain from what I believed for 20 some odd years to just not necessarily. I had to choose. I didn't choose another religion. I didn't choose anything else. 
it was just I had to I had to deprogram myself from that, and then sure. before I could start figuring out who I am and where I what I want to believe, and it, Which that's is, a hard it, process. I, yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna, that has to be the hardest thing in the world, but also probably rewarding. Yeah, to yeah. finally feel some side of power to your life because it feels like if you really want to de- deconstruct this all the way to the bottom, you're controlled, right? Like you essentially had an abusive husband for for 20 years, right? That told you how to think. They told you how to operate. They told you how to believe. And then you had to discover how you wanted to do it yourself. Exactly. It, it was, it, it, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was, I had to, I for me, once I decided the church wasn't true, it was a hard, I'm never stepping foot in the church again. Um, <laughs> and, but the, even though that section was hard, it was really, really hard for me to let go of everything. Like I was right. out of the church for, I had mentally decided I was done with the church and gone for six months before I ever had a sip of alcohol. Um, it was, so you weren't so like it, going out and be like, Ooh, I'm no longer part of this. I'm going to go get fucked up. No, I, no way. It, you know, I'm sure there's people who leave because they want to totally. do drugs or drink or whatnot. For me, it wasn't that. I had I had no desire to drink just because I never drank, right? Right, um, right. And even for, like, wearing my garments. Like, I wore my garments for probably three or four months after in my mind. I Just because it was so hard to, like – there's this fear of, like, well, am I going to die if I stop wearing these, <laughs> right? Wow. See, that's where it's, like, that is so fucking deep that – the 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 idea that you could die from not wearing your garments, like yeah, your Jesus jammies, like let's call it what it is. Like that yeah. to me is just absolutely insane that you were so. I mean, lack of better words, brainwashed to yeah. believe that. Like that's that's fucking wild to me. Yeah, I I mean they. They tell you that, right? Like that, right? The, your garments are a shield and a protector to you. Should you not defile them? And <laughs> I, I thought for sure, like, hey, if Wait, I, we got to go like, don't... back up, back up, back up. I, shall we not defy them? I mean, what is that defile? How would that? How does that like translate here? Because I guess I'm not. I don't. That's just wording that you hear a lot, um, and they use. Um, I don't know what it means. To tell you the truth, how you defile can like, defile so, underwear? <laughs> um, defile them, right? Like, so take them off. Like, you obviously have to wash them. Do you have? There's more than one pairs, right? Like, all of these things are things that some of these listeners are going to be like, "Well, what are Jesus jammies?" Right? Like, yeah. So, the Jesus jammies or garments are what you wear. So, once you get your endowment out, which is a, a religious ceremony in the temple that takes about two hours to go through it. The first part of it is called your initiatory, where you go into a section of the temple. You get, um, well, when I did it, you get naked, and then you put a what's called a shield over you. Um, they don't do that anymore, but you put a shield over you, and then you go through a ceremony. And in that, well, you're not ceremony- going to get hexed, right? Because I hear that like <clears throat> you're not supposed to tell anything about that Mormon wedding. Is that is that thing? Uh, well, you know, they'll tell you it's not secret; it's sacred. Right, um, which is what's Same the difference? Thing. Yeah, right. Um, it's a brainwashed version of a secret. 
Yeah, it's just that dead trying to do whatever they're trying to do. But um, <laughs> right. it, they're, they're, it's a ceremony. And really, this, you yeah, go through of. this ceremony and it's a, you, you know, you go from room to room and you do this little ceremony. And then at the end of it, uh, you wear, you put on a garment um, and then they, 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 then they finish the ceremony and say, hey, that garment has to be worn throughout your life. And then, you know, you're in the teachings, they'll tell you like, hey, you shouldn't leave your garments on the ground. Right when you take them off, you don't just throw them on the ground. You you put them right in the, the hamper, or you put them up on the bed, or whatnot. Um, you know, there's some crazy people that go super far on like, you know, they'll exercise in their garments. Um, that I was never that guy. Um, I know. Did you I, get it? Did you get looked at differently? Like, let's say you're at a gym and you see maybe someone part of your ward, and you're not wearing your garments. Were you like? Did you feel that you were looked at different? Never, never. Um, I mean, I, it, it's so accepted now. Um, and especially when I was in the church that just a very, it's really the older generations, um, that they keep that to these def- like prime ways. 100%. Of thought. My generation okay. was never, never took the garments that seriously. Um, okay. Got even it. my, even my really devout friends, I don't think ever took it that seriously. And like, but they would on Thanksgiving dinner, like they're going to make sure that that garment is showing at the table. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're not supposed to, but yeah, they totally, they're going to look Graham. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they usually have, you could always see the white shirt hanging over the top of their collar, right? Like that's what they're always doing. Um, They're supposed to be a hundred percent covered. They'll tell you it's supposed to be a hundred percent covered, but for some reason guys can show their collar, but girls can't. Right. Right. Um, it's like, just the, it's, it's just the way the church is. Did you ever question those things? But like, why? Like, because that I'm such a why person. Like, how? What? Right. Why? And why again? No, and I would tell you that's one of the hardest part of deconstructing Mormonism is you feel like an idiot, right? And that, especially someone like me who who prides myself on I'm a I'm a why I question everything. Like in my in my job, I get in trouble because of how often I, I'm like. Why are we doing this? this? What are we doing? That is, yes, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm not like when people tell me what to do. I'm usually pretty rebellious of like you know, screw you. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Um, but when it came to Mormonism, I was the exact opposite. Like I, I never questioned it. I always fell in line, and mostly it was because my the way I remember thinking about it. There was a couple, There was one time when I was in high school. I I had some questions about the church. Um. And I went to my brother about it. And my brother, my brother always just got to this point of faith, right? Of, you know, I could ask so many questions and then he would hit this point of being like, well, you just you know, have to have faith. You, you got to have faith. And I, I dove into that. And then I would see my brother who I respected, my friends who I respected, my father-in-law who I respect, who are so into this that I'd be like, well, these guys are smarter than I am and they're into it. So I bet I'm just not going to question and that's when you start feeling wow. stupid is when yeah. the, you, it, it's that hide mentality, right? When everyone, when everyone's around you, especially in the temple, when you're in the temple and everyone's doing this ceremony, that's frankly really weird. And you're the only one in there. And like, I remember looking around and thinking like, <laughs> like everyone in my right? neighborhood and my, yeah. Like, why is everyone doing this? And I just kept thinking like, well, obviously they know what stuff I don't know. So I'm going to go, I'm just going to follow mine and go for it. And then later go, I was the guy. Go to like the classic respect your elders. I mean, I only heard that in 
from religious people. Like my mother would never say respect your elders. Yeah. When I, I grew up in a household, my mom was really big on respecting elders. Like my, my mom was always big. The term probably wasn't used. It was probably like they're, they, they deserve respect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't want, I don't know if I ever did, but I, I know like my mom was, my mom and stepdad were very big of like, you don't talk back to anyone, whether you agree with them or not, you, you, you yep. respect people, their authority and all that other stuff. And I, I'm still that way, but yeah, I never, I, I never questioned. Right. I just, Do you think this comes from like where, you know, you say that you weren't religious at a younger age and then it kind of transpired that way. Do you think that, because our moms were technically raised in a religious ideal. I wouldn't say they were religious or went to church, yeah. but there was certainly influence. Do you think that that played a role into making it easier for you to fall into the trap? You know, because I, of the I was, way that it, it was raised, the way that it was said as a child, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't remember my, my mom was super cool about religion growing up. She never forced me to do anything. Um, up until she, they joined the church. Um, then everything started changing. Uh, and it became like with my sisters specifically, um, it became church, church, church. Uh, and it was about the time that, that whole time. I mean, I baptized my stepdad when he was, when I was 17. Um, and my little sister at the same time. Um, and you know, for me, that was a big deal. Like it was like, Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think I converted my stepdad. Yeah. And also like, I think that it take religion out of it. Those are very like empowering things, even if it's not religious, right? Like there was something that you felt and then you probably got like, even more powerful in your religious thought. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And again, uh-huh. in, in high school, Mormonism, that, that is a, it's a big deal, right? For me and our, you know, our generation, it was a big deal in high school of like, like, you know, going to seminary and, you know, cause don't you have your to friends have qualifi- Yeah. Don't you have to have qualifications to baptize somebody? Yeah, you got to be a, a member in good standing. Like you got to, you got to be worthy, as they like to put it. Which I, I don't like using that word because I think it's stupid. But you got to be a member in good standing to be able to baptize somebody. And you have to be—I um, can't remember. I think it's sixteen. You have to have the—it's um, one of the priesthoods. Um, you got to be able to pass the bread and water to do it. Well, you can do that when you're twelve, but you can't baptize until you're sixteen. So there's something special, even though there's no ceremony, there's something special about being 16 that allows you to baptize. I I don't, honestly, I probably knew this once upon a time, but my Mormonism (laughs) memory is just being white. Yeah. Well, it's probably the best way to do it. Yeah. So outside of all of these little things, what is like the biggest takeaway that you want to like say for yourself or somebody listening that like how it's reflected? affected literally every part of your life what do you your relationships to start and then do you like i mean do you dress different do you walk different do you sneeze different because these are the things that people are going to think because this is so culty right do you wash your hands different i mean these are the things that just go into somebody's mind 
Well, instead of saying God bless you when someone sneezes, I say you're so good looking. <laughs> okay, so there's a start. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, I, I would say every aspect of my life has changed. Um, my relationship with my family, my relationship with my friends, um, my relationship with my dad, uh, my relationship with my cousins and my aunts and my uncles, every aspect of it has changed. Um, so oh, I'm sure that's changed. Better insanely especially when we're talking about everyone but your mother right i mean i'm sure that that has changed quite a bit yeah yeah it's it's changed a lot um and so it's naturally my whole life's different right like uh yeah i drink alcohol right yeah i have tattoos um and i'm going to get more tattoos because they're awesome um i you know i i've been way more you know, so for, for me, um, leaving Mormonism was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, I went through a Tell me very... why it was hard. Tell me why it was hard. Was it because you were lied to? Was it because you didn't know how to live outside of the lie? Or was it because you truly, truly believed and that's what made it hard? I, I loved Mormonism. I loved the gospel. I loved the church. I loved... I can't tell you an aspect of it that I didn't love, right? I, I wasn't a big fan of going to church on Sundays just because, again, <laughs> it was I just... early morning? No, it, I, I'm an early <laughs> riser. It just, I just didn't like sitting in a, a thing, right? But, like, I, I would read the scriptures every day. I would pray every night and morning. Um, you know, I would... I, I, I never miss paying my tithing. Any chance, any, any opportunity to serve, I was jumping all over it. So when I went from this thing that I loved so much to losing it in such a fast and then losing my family after that was so hard for me to process. Was it like to not to, I mean, of course, yes, hard to process, but like, where do you fill the void? That's how I would have felt. And like, I'm putting myself in your shoes and saying like, okay, so all of this took up all of this time. How do I fill that up? So I, I, I sucked at it, right? Um, I went through a very dark time for two or three years. Um, very dark. Uh, I was suicidal. I, um, man, I, I, I was, went to four or five different therapists um, trying to figure out what the hell was wrong with me. Um, I finally got uh, diagnosed with PTSD. Um, not because of the let's church. Lot, let's talk about that. I mean, all of the PTSD, there has to be some sort of religious PTSD, but also you say not just because of the church, right? I mean, they're, elaborate yeah, on so, that because there has to be a tie to this. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know where my PTSD comes from, honestly. You know, I was hit by a car. Um, you know, we, we, we didn't have the best childhoods. Let's be real. Um, right, absolutely, right. And, and so I, I don't know where my PT, I'm not able to identify exactly where my PTSD, the hardest part with the church for me was, um, you know, I went on a mission and I was gone a week and then I came home from a mission and coming home from a mission at the time was the hardest thing I'd ever gone through. Um, so, so tell me what that means and what that looks like. Well, I mean, I know what that means, but what does that look like uh, from a member's standpoint? I mean... You went out and then you got sent back. I mean, walk through that. So I went out, I went out on mission. Um, and then I, about a week into the mission or just about five days into the mission, I hated it. I hated every second. 
Um, <laughs> I honestly, I never really wanted to go on a mission. My my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, had told me what she thought I wanted to hear because she thought I wanted to go on a mission that if I didn't go on a mission, she wouldn't marry me. So uh, <laughs> good and, for her. I like her. She just set you right yeah. on that path. <laughs> Yeah. And and with my family, it was never quite, no one ever asked me if I was going on a mission. It was like, when are you putting your papers? So I, I felt this, especially I just baptized my stepdad and my my little sister. Yeah, you I were like king pressure. of the castle. Like, yeah, da, 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 king of the castle. I, That's what you felt. Yeah. I felt this pressure to go and be this perfect Mormon. And then I went out right. there and I realized, like, I hated it. I hated every second of it. I, I missed my girlfriend, who I love very much. And I just didn't want to be out there. So I told the but you mission were okay president. okay with keeping the faith and still living a Mormon life, but you just didn't want to do that part of it. I just didn't want to be away from my wife. Got it. My okay. girlfriend at the time. That's it. It was that simple so then, to me. So then, you, so then you went to the mission president, and what did he say to you? Um, you know, they tried to talk me into it. They, they were really respectful. There was no... There was no like, hey, you have to feel pressure to be in here or any of this stuff. Um, the guy I talked to, he was actually super cool about it. Um, and uh, so he asked me straight up, you know, if you want to go home, we'll send you home. But you need to decide right now. And I just remember, like, I want to go home. Um, so I went home and then it was terrible. Um, I stepped I, out of my... I to... Yeah, stop there because I have to tell you what I remember of this. Because I remember when... You went because you know the going away party, which is totally a thing. Um, yeah. And when you, so I think I don't. I mean, I was young, obviously. How old were you when you went? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen, so minus four. So I'm like fifteen, 15. and I could yeah. give a shit less about Clayton going on a mission, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you we're back and I asked my mom and she, she's all, well, I think that he had sex with his, his girlfriend. That's why. <laughs> and so in my mind, I'm thinking like, so did this guy just say that to some other dude? And they were like, tootaloo, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was, we did not ever, despite what everyone wants to believe, we never had sex before. Um, right. Uh, right. And listen, but, I was, I didn't give a shit less, but I had to, I had to wonder like, well, like, is that just not, like, what you can... It, well, if he wanted to do it, then he would have just kept his mouth shut. He doesn't got to tell the world that he fucked her, right? Like, Bingo. That's how there's, my there's, brain was thinking. Well, there's plenty of, of guys who serve missions that have had sex. Plenty of them. In fact, when Absolutely. I was in the MTC, there was a guy that was with me that had um, and never had told anyone about it. For me, that wasn't, that wasn't the big deal. Um, for me, it was purely I wanted to be at home with her. I didn't want to be away from her. Um, so I came home. Well, you're like me in that sense. Like, if I have something going going on, like, what would be the reason? And I think that you and I have that same genetic whatever build up here that we question it, right? You're like, but why am I doing this when I could be like starting a life with the same values? Like, I'm not going to gain any more magic doing this. Yeah, I'm going to just continue to do what I'm doing. So interesting that it, was it a hard process? Like, do you have to go through paperwork? Do you go through like, 
it was it was like a four or five hour process from when I first met with the guy in charge to when I was at the waiting at the curbside for my stepdad to pick me up. So what did what did your stepdad say? Oh, was it, it them that made this hell, or was it your brain? Who, what was it that made this such a terrible, shitty thing? It was it, it, he. He did not handle it the way I would have liked to have been handled. It was a very. Okay. You're an embarrassment and a, a, you know, you fucked up to the family. Um, and it, it, it was, there was no, there was nothing about me, right? I mean, thank goodness he brought my brother because my brother, my brother was the, the voice of reason in the car, right? Where I think my stepdad just wanted to just chew my ass out and tell me how big of a disappointment I am. My brother you know what was I've very. Always- loved about steven is like i think steven has i mean he does he has the same chemical makeup that we do this is genetics right yeah but he's always able to stay in that great like like the the what's the word i'm looking for kind of this gray zone that like able to calm the story and be in you know and i thank god you're right thank god because you would have felt more shitty yeah um but then from there after was terrible. I mean, the next morning, my mom, like I had to go upstairs and my mom just yells at me for the hour and a half before she goes to, to work. And then, um, you know, then for the next couple of months, my, my, we, they sell their house, they move out of their house. Um, you know, every day I was told how big of a disappointment I am. And, you know, at one point I got locked out of the house at night and had to sleep in, at my girlfriend's house on my, her parents' couch because I had nowhere to go. Um, well, wouldn't that be like kind of a full contradiction of what the the reasoning, right? Like, I, how do you know they, how crazy? Yeah, I you know I, I don't. It is what it is, right? They the, absolutely it, it went right. down the way they went down. But for for me, it was it was just hard. It was super hard. I felt like a disappointment. Everyone around me was telling me I was a disappointment. Um, that was the first time that I was the most suicidal. Um, my one of my best high school friends um, went on a mission, left for his mission. To, the, I came home on a Wednesday, and he left that Sunday. Or he had his farewell on that Sunday, and I went to his farewell. And so all my high school friends that were just at my farewell were there. You were literally and, being judged. Oh, oh yeah, like, uh, it was, this was a jury trial by your peers directly. 100%. And uh, I left early because it was so awkward. And as I was leaving, he actually ran out to me in the street. And uh, I can't remember what he said, but I can remember how he made me feel. And it was, it, I just felt like a failure. And I went home. And of course, I went home and my mom was on something yelling at me about something. And uh, when she left, I actually had a shotgun in my lap and was seriously thinking, like, if, I, I can't get through this. I can't get through this. The only thing I remember thinking about that time was Elise, my my wife and girlfriend. She, I just I needed to get I needed to get through it. Um, so I don't know if this is where my PTSD comes from. I don't know if it's the accident. I don't know if it's what it is. I think I it's don't a, really care. It is what it, right. I think that like you know we could not care, but like identifying where it came from is super important. I believe that just from hearing the story, I think that it was acceptance. Like your PTSD comes from the acceptance because you accepted, you know, maybe that God was there to save you or this, whoever was there to save you when you got in your accident. And then everyone accepted that. And then you fell right into that path. And then the acceptance was always there. Um, 
until you had sex with your girlfriend, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm a so, giant failure. Like, right. And how crazy to me that human interaction, which is sex, is such a failure story. Even if that was the case, right? Let's just say it. It's mind-blowing to me. And, you know, that's kind of where my separation from the family kind of came from, truly, because it was like, I just can't get behind this. This doesn't make any sense. And, like, thank God my mom was kind of the same way. She always just told me that, like, we see, we just have to do it. (laughs) So, like, that's just where it always laid, right? So there was never a position, and I'm sure that you felt the same way, like, you know, there were certain parts of our family, like, they just believe what they believe, right? And so we just left it all alone and somehow two times a year came together and pretended to make it happen. It's just, it's wild. All while you're wanting to fucking kill yourself. Like, that's where my mind just goes out out of it. Like, how the fuck, right? Yeah. it, yeah, it, it's hard, right? It's, it's and it hard stems reading. all from religion. I mean, there all you can't religion. say that all from religion. There's not a all from religion roundab- yeah, There's I not mean, a roundabout way that can explain this otherwise. No, I yeah, uh, and but it's again, it takes forever to deconstruct that and to become free of the of. You know the, the you know I mentioned early that worthy, right? I hate that worthy that that worthy word um because you know you're told you're not worthy you, you weren't worthy to serve a mission or you're worthy and you feel this way all the time of I, i'm not worthy and then you know one day you wake up and you realize you know what fuck you i am worried worthy right like, absolutely. I, am. I am like well, I, do you think that that steers because you know a lot of people see lds people mormon people that are, that, I mean, most of them are very successful. You don't see Mormon, quote unquote, people that live in trailer parks, right? You don't see like a trashy Mormon. Do you think that that like fear and that uh, pressure plays a huge role in that? So I, I think that's a very big misconception. I know Mormons that live in trailer parks. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's, there's the, there, there's the, which is an odd, you know, on the outside, I now find it weird that there's this, this image of like, because you're Mormon, you, you need these, like, why do you need to be the white middle-class success to be considered, you know, that, like that that's an odd, that's an odd goal for me to be yeah. able to get to. And I find that totally. super weird. Um, but that's what that perception comes because that's what the church and members wanted to do. It's like tattoos, right? It's you have tattoos, so something's wrong with you. Right. Oh, I have tattoos you because they're cool. <laughs> you don't pay as much tithing as the next door neighbors, so like something's wrong with you. Yeah, but but they're always that. I would say that's been the biggest change for me. Is I went from from living a life of. I've got to live for someone else and compare myself to this standard that's so unachievable and this perfection world to now I'm living a life for me, right? Like, you know, they always say that that nobody's perfect. I I challenge people when they say that now because what is is perfect? What is perfect, right? Right? Like, nobody's perfect. Like, screw you. Like, I'm I'm not perfect because I'm not what I want to be yet, but... 
I think my life's perfect. Like, yeah, and when I feel like somebody's perfect, like they're perfect, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Is there, do you think that there's ever going to be a time that you're going to, so, you know, as, being into religion, it, you you second guess that. Do you think there's ever going to be a time that you'll go backwards? Do you think that nope. there's anything that's, no? No, you can't um, put, you can't put the toothpaste back in. Like, right, right. Not, on, not only do I, I n- I'll never be Mormon again, but I, I don't know if I'll ever join another religion again. Um, I, I think for me, I'm on a, I, I'm on a journey of finding out who I am and that's what I live for every single day. And that's what drives me now is I want to find out who I am and I want to be the best definition of, of what I want to be, Um, not what anyone else wants to be. So the idea of living a life for someone else or by someone else's standards is just, it's never going to hit for me. Yeah. It's never going to hit for me and not judging anyone who does like, that's just not me. Right. And here's what I've always said. Like, I don't agree with the religion. And maybe this is Tory talking, right? I don't agree. I can see right through the bullshit. However, I was taught that I I have to respect it. Like, it doesn't matter if I believe or if I don't, right? I have to respect it. And I, in coming to terms with respecting it, I've had to look at what do they enjoy? What did they learn out of this religion? And I can tell you, I love the family values, some of the morals. I love those parts of that religion. And I still live those ways. Like, And that's the parts that I've taken from it. So, you know, I can't say badly about Mormons. I just think that it's absolutely crazy that someone can be so brainwashed and be so, like you said, have, have a complete and different view on the outside world outside of this book or outside of these walls like it's mind-boggling i mean it, it kind of put a little bit into perspective when we when i watched like the Lori vallow case right yeah and although that isn't mormonism it stemmed from that certainly and when i watched this and i followed that so closely because i just found it so fascinating and then for it to truly be a religious traumatic event that caused her to be in a situation that she's in right like it's wild it's it's mind-blowing to me yeah i i get it there it's just it's hard when you're in it that's the only thing to come back to is that it's when you're when you're living it you get so enamored with the culture and the the values and all that 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 and it's the fear because they tell you, right? Like they flat out tell you, if you don't live the, the gospel standards, your you know your life's going to go to hell. So then you're like, <laughs> well, I don't want my life to go to hell. And they point to people living in trailer parks. They point to people living in totally. third world countries, and they say, hey, you know, do you want your life to be that way? Because if you do, <laughs> don't live the standards. Um, and so you get you get this fear out of it, right? Like, so did I, you did you feel that? when it was happening were you like ah but i like that guy over there lives in the trailer park like he's my homie like did you did you feel that they were judging or were you like yep 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 so i was you know one thing i love the most about my mom is how little of a judge judgment my mom taught us like you know i i never thought twice going to your mom's house and being in a trailer right and she's sitting on the you know, in a trailer, smoking a cigarette, also probably talking on the cell phone and cussing. Yeah. No, because one, I loved your mom 
so much, right? Right. That, uh, like it just it, to, the thought of judging your mom for any reason just never crossed on. And my mom loved your mom, right? Right. And the and the fact that it just it was never we were never taught that like we were better than you guys. We were never taught that there that you know we, we are doing something right and you're doing something wrong. My mom never went down that path. So right. I just, I never, I never remember being taught like anything like racism or, you know, being, I don't care who's gay or who's straight. Like my, my, that was never in my family's vernacular. And so when I went to church and they started teaching that to me, that was one of those things I just put away like, wow, you guys can believe that, but. I've got friends and family that are gay or living this lifestyle. Right, it's so care. minor to you that it was like, whatever. Like, if it there's did, one or two things that have to be minor, that can be one. Yeah, it didn't even register in my head. Like, I remember thinking, like, like I, I don't even know how to put it. Like, I just never cared, right? I just right. never cared about other people's living. To me, it was always, I've got to be this way. I've got to be better. And I think that that's 100% my mother. And that is so different than what anyone listening to this is going to see. Because typically what they see is that judgment is, and and that's what's going to be conveyed. So I'm glad that you said that because I don't know that I ever really felt judged. I feel like, you know, the time that I had talk with your mom, it was never I was being judged. It was more of like a suggestion. She suggested a certain way that I present and I questioned why she wanted me to present that way, right? Like, I don't think that it was ever negative or derogatory. And certainly I can I can relate when it comes to you believe. You drink the Kool-Aid and that's who you are because I was in the Navy, right? So I drank the Kool-Aid and here I come out with uh, not as gay. I mean, still gay, but not as gay. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, and all of a sudden, like, I, I cuss worse than I did before. I, I'm a little bit meaner, I'm more rough around the edges, and I gave a fuck way less than when I went in, right? So at the end of it, I can totally see where when you drink the Kool-Aid, it becomes part of your blood. Yeah. Yeah, and get for at least for me, I and I think most Mormons are this way, is you departmentalize, right? Absolutely, you grasp, right. You grasp onto the things that you love, and the things that you're like, oh, that's not right. You, you, yeah. you put you, a little bit sketch <laughs> in, the, in the ex-Mormon community. They they call it your shelf. You put it up on the shelf, <laughs> and when the shelf gets okay. so heavy, it finally breaks. Um, do for you me, like, have a do you have a preference, or do you do you have a space in ex-Mormon community? Do you is this something that you kind of like needed to latch onto? Yeah. So for when I for the first two three years when I first left the church, I I couldn't. I was listening to like Mormon stories podcast and. Mormon discussions and any any Mormon uh, like ex Mormon or former Mormon podcast, I was listening to it. I was reading everything I could find online. I was on Reddit every day. Um, and, but you know, eventually, I, I just I've grown out of it. Right? I just realized that like I think I've just got to the point where I've let go of Mormonism. And to me, like I don't care what the church does anymore. I don't care. You know, they can buy all of Nebraska and I, <laughs> they probably already own it. Let's get real. Well, they did. They, they literally just bought most of Nebraska. Um, I just don't care. Right. Right. Like it just, for me, it's just a matter of like, Hey, you know, I see a lot of good that the religion does. Right. Yeah, and totally. I know for me, when I was younger, when my parents were divorced, the church helped us, the community helped us. 
And if the church can help get people to help people, then I support that all fully. For me, it's not it's not for me personally, but I will. And I think this goes back to your first question of getting my records removed from the church. I I will never get. I don't think I'll ever get them removed because I don't want to hurt anybody. In fact, this is the first time I've ever spoken publicly about the church, and I don't have any. I don't harbor any ill feelings to the church at all. Totally. Um, I don't think it's a good organization for me or my family, so we're going to choose not to go. But I won't ever be those guys out, you know, publishing articles. You're going to die. No, no. I mean, I have a I have a nephew that's uh, questioning, and you know, he talks to me occasionally. And even with him, I'll tell him, like, dude, I I am not going to go down this path. In fact, you know, I'm not the the person that you need to talk to about this because I feel like that's how I would feel like I'm. I can tell you my opinion, but like this isn't my job. So when I left the church, I was out of the church for almost three-ish years um, before my mom finally asked me. My mom calls me one day and says, I need to know why you oh, left so the church. Oh, so she didn't know. No, I never told – it's no one's business. I never told anybody, right? <laughs> uh, so you just kept going to Sunday meals and, and your Sunday yeah, meals? Yeah. And- no, yeah. I mean I would always wear pajamas over to my sure. Sunday stuff. But, uh, you know, they never asked and I never told, right? Um, it wasn't – my sister asked once and I kind of told her a little bit. Um, but How my mom – conversation called- go? If someone comes up to you at a, you know, your Sunday ritual and says, hey, are you questioning the religion? I mean, how does that go? Is that like so, one of those situations where all of a sudden you're hit in the face with it and you're like, oh, shit, I'm caught? So my sister was very respectful, I think, because um, we were at a family. We we used to get a cabin once a year with my my dad, and we were up at this cabin. And so we had just gone snowmobiling, and so I was in, like, sweatpants and stuff. And she kind of pulls me aside, and she said, hey, I noticed you and Elise aren't wearing your garments. Is everything okay? And uh, I t- at the time, I had a good relationship with her, so I told her um, – you know, she she listened to me, but she was just shutting me down without any arguments, right? Um, and that was the only conversation. My brother never asked me. My stepdad never asked. And then two years passed before my mom finally calls me and says, hey, why did you leave? And my 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 theory has always been I'm never going to – I'm never going to convert anybody, right? Sure. Uh, right. And so I, – and I told my mom that. I said, mom, I'm, I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Um, I'm not going to tell you why I left the church or go into it. You have access to the same things I have access to. If you want to go read, if you want to do your own Googling, go do it. But I'm not, I'm not going to be doing this. I love um, that because you didn't need to point out what you found faulty to someone that believed and vice versa. I like that. Well, she really like that approach. Well, for me, leaving the church was the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And I honestly wouldn't wish it upon anybody. Um, why would I want to wish pain on my mom? Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, right. And, and so I, she wanted me to tell her and I was trying to be as respectful as I could. I told her some stuff. Right. Um, but for the most part, I kept pulling back and saying, well, you know, you can go, you can Google it. Um, unfortunately that was the last real conversation I ever had with my mom. Um, cause everything went to hell a couple weeks after that, but, but yeah, um, I don't regret it. And I, I since then, I, I've I've had a couple other people, like people at work and some other friends, um, my best friends, the the my neighbor who converted me, um, he left the church too. He's a return missionary. And, oh wow! 
um, when he was going through his faith crisis, you know, he called me and I told him, I was like, Mike, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to have a conversation with you until you've made a decision. Once you make a decision, I'll, I'll go all the way yeah, out. We'll open Pandora's box all day. Right. Yeah. But I, but I, I, I just, it's too big. It's too heavy of a subject to force someone to, to go down that path. They gotta go on so that goes into this next question. You're, it sounds like, I mean, it could go without being really answered. Like your worldview is totally changed. The ideas 100%. of not only the outside world, but probably maybe in a positive way, the religion. Like, because I see it, when I look at the Mormon people, I look at it as, oh, fuck you, poor, poor guys. Like, you're, you just don't understand it quite how you should understand it. Or how I do, right? Should or not should. And so probably is that kind of where you're at as well? Like your worldview changed, you, you're on and up and up, but also like, do you feel that you left like your pack, your compadre behind? Like, don't you want to shake no. everyone and be like, but just go read, like use a different brain. That's how I feel. I want to just like shake somebody. I don't look at it that way. I look on it that life is precious and short. Um, you know, Absolutely. being on the verge of death a couple times, I and losing people that I care about a lot. Honestly, Josh's Josh's uh, death hit me crazy hard. I mean, Josh Josh's was three hundred and seventy days older than me, right? Right. And, Which is crazy to me that that hit you so hard, like because it, it was the full opposite for me. Yeah, it hit me. It hit me crazy hard. And what? So one thing that I've taken from that is. Life's short, and really, my theory in life is the only thing that matters is happiness. And Absolutely, you know what? If, Mor- right. if Mormonism makes you happy, rock on. Go be a Mormon, right? Go yeah, be a Mormon. Rock on. Rock on, right? If it doesn't work for you, like, let me help you find something that can help you, right? But if it's Absolutely. Buddhism, is it Scientology? Like, as long as you're not hurting other people and you're happy, like, rock. I, it's just not my place. And for me, again, for me, it's not about other people. This is the selfish th- mindset I've changed. Is it's about me? Like the day I, I find out who I am is the day I can start judging and trying to figure out other people's lives. Absolutely, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. I hope not, because it's kind of a fun journey. You know, it is kind of fun, and then you get to have different ideas about everything. Like, I mean, my fiance always thinks that I'm like arguing or trying to fight with him, but it's like, but no, like I want to challenge like both of our brains. Like, but what if? right like what would you say in this story like i totally get it and it's great that you like you say that you have trauma and whatever and i don't think that you'll ever get rid of it it's amazing to see that like you can at least look at a different side and understand be selfish right be positive and do you still have relationships with any friends in the religion and they've accepted that you're not yeah my, my business partner is super religious um like he goes to the temple once a week, um, all that. And, uh, you know, he, I call him my brother now because I'm, I'm closer to him than my brother, my brothers. Right. Um, uh, he, uh, and he is amazing about it. him and I've had the conversations, right. And we're both extremely respectful, not trying to convert each other the other way. And I'm cool with it. Um, you know, of my employees, I think we have five of our 18 employees, seven, 15 of them, 13 of them are uh, Mormon. Um, I don't cool, right? Like I, I don't care uh, at all. It probably benefits you kind of in that when we're looking at a business perspective, especially in Utah, right? You still have 
the ability to have the mannerisms, the respect that a Mormon has, you know, right? So you can come off that way, but also still maybe be an ally for somebody questioning, right? Yeah, yeah. I Again, I, I feel like I look at everyone, the way I look at it today, again, is we are all on this marble floating through the universe together, and none of us know what the fuck's going on. And, yeah. and we're we're ju- all of us are just trying to figure it out. And all we so, know is that we have to build you on the first and the twenty second, right? I mean, and we're ex- supposed to love people. That's the thing. Yeah, and and again, I that that's the number one thing I want to attribute to. I don't know where our moms got it from, but like your mom was your. I never felt like you, your mom was always there. And my mom, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Aunt Cindy has always been there, and Courtney yeah. and Brandy and Lara. And one thing, my mom, like one thing, I will always love and respect about her is how much she she never ever put any pressure on it or like judgments or levels. On us. It was always, you know, be there for people. And yeah, right. hopefully we, I can do the same. It's nuts to me, though, because, like, I, I mean, and it could have 100% been something that, like, it was me, right? Like, I'm the one that, like, passed the judgment, which is so shitty, but I felt like that's how that story was. And I wish that it wasn't because, cause, like, I feel like I missed out, kind of, in that sense. Like, I missed I, out because I don't. I didn't get representation, but I do now, kind of. I mean, when I went through a lot of my stuff, your mom was the one that kind of reached out to me and your sisters, and it did kind of shift my perspective a little bit. Um, I still have my beliefs, don't get me wrong, but for sure, it it made me kind of shift those beliefs, So, which I think is great. I think it's powerful. One thing I've learned about in life, I think we we think other people are judging us more than they are actually judging us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's a level of, uh, at least in my life, it's a level of I have res- I have so much respect for these other people that I know the the choices I'm making are against their core beliefs. So I, I, it's easier for me to say, you know, screw you, you're judging me when they're really not. It, it's right. a coping absolutely. mechanism. Totally. Um, right. And it sucks because it ruins relationships. Absolutely, it does. Well, I mean, look at ours, right? We didn't have one. Yeah. And whether that was whether that was my perspective or if it was yours, it was a perspective either way. Um. So, last thing, I know that everything now seems to be up and up. Um, what advice do you have? Because I know that being a Mormon or a Utah-based podcast. What what could you tell somebody? Do you what would you tell them that if they want to leave or if they're questioning or maybe if they're even happy? How does this go? I don't think I, I'm not some wise sage. I don't have advice. Like for me, the number one thing I could tell you is be happy. Right? Figure out whatever it takes to be happy. If that's leaving the church, if that's staying in the church, if that's some kind of mixture of the bolt of it you know, be happy. Find Again, I believe we are put on this earth to find out who we are. And as long Absolutely. as you're on that journey to figure out who you are, then like rock on and more power to you. 
I love that because I think that, of course, would give anybody that. But my next question is how the hell do you do that when you're brainwashed? I mean, how do you how do you pull that curtain and be like, wait a minute, I got to look through it? What would you tell somebody to do? Because there certainly has to be somebody that's questioned or is questioning, but they can't get past that block. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like, I think part of happiness is finding who you are is soul searching, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, for, for me, when I, was, when I found out the stuff I found out and I tried, I have a journal entry where I went back and said, you know, I, I found this stuff out the church. I'm going to spend the next couple days proving it all wrong, right? Um, <laughs> but for, so for me, I think it's just a matter of like, you got to be, you got to be willing to find, to do what it takes to be, find that happiness. Right. If that's, if that's be, if that's, you know, like for, for me, right. One of the hardest decisions I've made in my life since leaving the church is removing toxic people from my life. Um, and some of those people I love dearly and I still love dearly, but I can't have relationships with them because they're toxic and it's hard. Right. And so I, I, oh, I give you, right. I'll get, give people that same advice as some, maybe the church is the toxic relationship, right? Whether it's going or not going, you know, and you, life's too short to be unhappy. So you got to remove the toxic relationships in your life. As painful it. as it is, doesn't mean you can't yeah. love them. I, I love my mom, but I can't Absolutely. have a, the relationship she wants to have with me. You, you're not, you're not a horse that can just be steered right like it yeah it, you can't and you've decided and i think it's i think it's amazing you and i would not be having this conversation i mean even probably what two or three years ago i'm sure you there was too much internal issue that like this wouldn't be something you would ever entertain um so huh. i appreciate it i huh. think that you've grown and i think that how you you have an ability to keep a foot in each corner and respect both sides. I think that that is what's going to show to somebody that it's not in or out. You could still be out, but support the people in both sides. And I think that that is what's powerful here. Yeah. I, you know what, one of my fears and my wife's fears when we left is that will our, will our kids be good people? And I, I realized that that's, like being perfect that's a loose definition and as long yeah, as and as long as you're what you define it's all good certainly there's not many amazing people that we all know read about in history and blah 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 that were mormon right yeah there's good people regardless of religion and it's great to be able to have at least a leg up with the morals and the values that were taught to you and ingrained and you get the ability to still have those. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I've always lived that way. But that's why when I asked you, I was like, I still kind of need to understand like how deep this, this washing cycle goes with somebody's brain. And like, couldn't really necessarily ask some of the questions, the heavy hitting ones without being you, right? Like, yeah. So I was stoked. I was very excited that that's how this turned out. Me too. Thank you. I think that it was uh, good. If you have any other things, let's do it again. Yeah, yeah, anytime. I enjoyed the, always enjoy talking to you, buddy. All righty. Well, uh, I will chat with you after this. Okay, cool.
Thanks, Lacey. Thanks.